Welcome to Beavis Movies. My name is James Beaver, of course, and we have an interesting one today. We have Sky Forleafson. That is correct. I got it. <laughs> I, I spent the entire start of this introduction with Sky right now, and it was nothing but me going, Sky Forleafson. Sky Forleafson. Believe me, I'm Icelandic. I, yes. we, we live with weird names. Yes. So. Have you have you ever actually been to uh, Iceland? I did when I was in 2012. I was 18 years old, and at some point in my future, I actually planned to move there. Oh wow! Uh, for a certain amount of time, it's just a beautiful place. I love the uh, I love the history there. I love the culture there. Yeah, and it's just something that I take pride in in my legacy. Oh, I yeah. wear Thor's hammer around <laughs> my th- around my neck. So yeah, <laughs> I actually went to Reykjavik, uh, Paris, about four years ago. Uh, uh, I actually had a 22-hour layover in Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. The only thing is I had two giant bags and I couldn't go anywhere. Well, <laughs> the, the airport was nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a nice place. It but is, it I is. hope that you get to uh, experience it uh, on its own we, at some we'll point. going to England, it's a lot easier for me to get to Iceland. So That's maybe fair, one yeah. day when I go and visit family. Mm-hmm. So um, what brought us both to the dance is we went to, as a prior episode, we did a past bedtime studio and we met in the Manitoba podcast convention. And I also met this man as well. Mm-hmm. And what kind of brought me forward to you is because you do an adaption podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things to like discuss is adaptions in themselves. Yeah. Because you've got these people who are hardcore. It has to be this way or you can piss off. <laughs> or there's guys like, as long as the heart's there, it's kind of that fight. Mm-hmm. I'm of the, as long as there's a bit of heart there, yeah, it works. But the problem is you do have like these people who just headbutt each other. No, yeah. So where do you stand in the whole adaption debate? I mean, as somebody who was educated on film, I've graduated from the University of Winnipeg, and I've now moved into the Red River College. I'm studying media production. I've basically come to the conclusion that in order for an adaptation to work, it honestly has to have some... not necessarily deviation but it needs to adjust itself in order to fit in the visual media yes especially in in film form certain things can't be explored visually like in a in a book there's exposition but in film you need to show that rather than tell it yeah and And as long as there is the sense that the people who made the movie cared about the original material and cared about the ideas behind it then there's enough there's enough there's enough of a reason to say okay this is different but it's good um, uh, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to move forward with this subject oh, in, with that in mind. <laughs> because uh, we decided to watch Netflix uh, 2017 Death Note. From the people who cancelled Daredevil but thought that oh. a sequel to this movie was a good idea. <laughs> I, I'm actually, this is my, be, I actually enjoyed this movie. Okay. So this is going to be a very interesting episode because I actually have a lot of uh, thoughts behind it. Yep. And I, I also come from, I enjoy the director's work already. Uh, yeah. But yep. I also enjoy Death Note. And I'm kind of one of those people that can kind of meet in the middle. Mm-hmm, so it'll mm-hmm. be interesting. So yeah, um, we're going to take a break because we've, we've got to like 
draw our weapons right now because we're going to go to battle, guys. So, there will uh, be blood. There <laughs> will be blood, apparently. So yeah, be right back, guys. And we are back. So as we mentioned before, we watched Death Note 2017. It was directed by Adam Wingard, who did some great movies, uh, Your Next. He's mainly in the horror genre, which mm-hmm. you can kind of see in this movie with the way it's paced and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was based on the uh, Death Note. I've seen the manga. I've seen the live action movie. Um, bits and pieces of the anime, but because I've watched the manga and the live action, I didn't have time to watch the anime. So That's interesting. Yeah. Because I'm coming at this mainly from the perspective of having watched the anime. Yeah. Like, I would have read the manga, but the manga is huge. It's like 175 chapters or I, something like that. So I, I caught the, uh, the manga midway. Okay. So I had enough chance to... Mm-hmm. I've, I've read some mangas that are very long. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I once got into a manga that was already 700 chapters in. Oh, yeah. And it was just... It was, it was pretty long, but mm-hmm. I managed to make it. So, yeah, this, this was uh, made by Netflix. Originally, it had a, another production company who I can't remember. And then he was like, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then when, once he, like, shopped it around, like, within, like, 45 minutes... Every major studio was after this. Mm-hmm. So it was already there. It's actually, funny enough, uh, do you know who Masaoka is? I'm afraid I don't, no. Okay, he's uh, famous for being in TV shows. He was in Heroes. Okay. Uh, he was like the main like teleporting Japanese man. Mm-hmm. And he's also in this movie as a detective in Japan. Okay, with the glasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, was, he produced this. So oh. it's pretty interesting there. And so, um, yeah, let's, let's just jump into this. So my I have issues with this. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a lot of characterization issues with mm-hmm. this. Characters don't act like characters in the manga or anime or, like, you know, the, the Japanese live action. There's, like, a lot of problems in that they stray away from so many different bits mm-hmm. apart from towards the end. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the um, well, we'll talk about that. Yes. <laughs> so, in my opinion, I and I want to ask you this: if they did this and it wasn't liked, if his name was Leonard, <laughs> that was my first. That was the first thing I thought of. Like the the moment that Light shows up on screen, he's yes. played by Nat Wolf. Yes. The immediate thought thought that I had, like the instant that he's in front of the principal and the principal says the name. Light. Yes. My thought is like, okay, this kid is not named Light. If he is, if he is, he's been mocked incessantly. But this kid is not or, a Light, or it's a nickname he's put on himself. So, exactly. So, in my opinion, I think he should have been named Leonard, mm-hmm. and that it should have still kept Ryuk because Ryuk is very accurate in my opinion. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he he just sits back and enjoy it. William Dafoe, in my opinion, <sighs> rushes this. Willem Dafoe is one of my favorite actors in general. Like, he's great in The Last Temptation of Christ. He's great in Spider-Man. He's great in... I'm... He's, I'm really looking forward to him playing um, Vincent uh, Vincent Van Gogh yes. later this year. I am really looking forward to At Eternity's yes. Gate. He's he, amazing at being both subtle and, in this case, incredibly creepy. And the way that they depict Ryuk in yeah. this uh, yes. in this particular film is really well handled. He is more of a master manipulator in the uh, in the movie than he is in the in the anime in the anime he's more uh he's looking for chaos to happen he's bored with everything yes. but in this in this adaptation he's he more... more he more hands off the uh the death note from one person to another which he, he seems... pushes it more and so i'm wondering would this would have been better as a sequel after light 
Oh. Where what happens is, is Ryuk had so much fun with this Kira that he's like, you know, I'm going to have more fun and make another Kira and passed it on to America. That is actually a really interesting idea because yeah. it would be a different uh, sequence of events with a different character who behaves differently from Light. And because Light is very unlight-ish in yes. uh, this movie. He's a coward. Uh, the, the Light in the manga would be unable to talk, you know, it will be able to talk his way out of situations. In this, he struggles mm-hmm. as evidenced by the bully. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like basically saying, hey, I can write for you. And the bully just punches him out. Whereas the light in the manga would be like, you know what? Yeah, sure. No problem. Just make sure you get it right written for me. <laughs> the light in the manga is a lot more sophisticated and, and suave. Whereas this is more of a, in my opinion, a school shooter. Well, yeah, yeah. That's kind of he, accurate. He has, he has that characterization. He's a loner. He's a bit too smart for his own good. He, gets he writes other people's homework for them, yes. which is shot like uh, a drug deal for some it odd is. reason. <laughs> it is. It is. I, like I said, I really do appreciate like the way this was made. Mm-hmm. It, it had its own visual flair, and I appreciate it rather than just keeping it standard. They had their own stuff. Like When we first see Elf, I loved that whole imagery with the neon and the focus on the face. And every time he kind of like reveals a bit about himself, everything mm-hmm. goes blurry. Because it's showing that L doesn't want to sh- show off who he is until he's ready. Yeah. Which is evidence from when he reveals himself to light. Yeah, Because yeah. it's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. That's what, what I really appreciate. I really appreciate that they added these visual effects to yeah. keep it away. I can actually... Appre- I can understand that in terms of the visual appeal to the world. And yes. I think that... Like, for me, I do like Adam Wingard as a director. Yes. I know him most for The Guest, which is yes, a th- amazing, an awesome thriller with uh, Dan Stevens. And yeah. it's it's got a lot of that visual flair to it. It's very nicely shot. Uh, yeah. The way that they, again, I go back to Ryuk, but the way that they show Ryuk, he's mostly in shadows, his eyes glow, yeah. and, the, and you don't get a full view of his face at any time, like, unless it's in shadow. The, or the only if it's time got... is towards the end. Right. Right, but that's the right time to use that kind of imagery. I do enjoy the the way they did it because clearly there was CGI problems. Mm -hmm. Because when you actually see him, it kind of looks like a plastic doll. A little bit, yeah. But when he's in the shadow, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. My react, like, (laughs) and I think a lot of people's problems is this is that is when light first sees Ryuk, (laughs) (laughs) and he appears to tear the classroom apart and screams like a little girl. Oh, that is... Ve- well, I, I honestly mentioned that I was going to uh, talk about this movie on a podcast with uh, a classmate of mine. Okay. And that was his immediate answer. Like, the first thing that he brought up was the fact that Elle screams like a little girl in this movie. Yes. And it's just... But yeah. the, the only thing is, it was just the one time. And I would actually like to think of this as, like, a prequel to the events to come. Uh-huh. Because he starts off, he's a bit of a coward. But as the movie comes on, mm-hmm. he, he's a coward. He's easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not headstrong. Yeah. He's nearly caught him numerous times. But as the movie comes on, he actually starts to come into his own and becomes more like L. Especially that final scene when he orchestrates... Well, okay, that fair enough. But yes. I <laughs> carry on. You know, you, you... I think that the I think that the main issue with this light though is that he doesn't really get the chance to actually show that he really wants to become this uh, guiding angel like he is in the anime. Yes. Like the bit, 
Let's look at the sequence of his first three kills, basically. The first kill that he ever writes in the Death Note, which I should mention, the Death Note itself looks really cool. Yes. It's messy and it's there's a lot more rules, but it's a lot more interesting to look at, uh, at least in this format. And 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 that's I just sorry. That's why I thought this was a sequel to the series. Okay. Because it was a lot bigger and it's like don't trust Ryuk and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was expecting them when they brought up Kira, I was like, Oh, there was this guy named Kira in Japan. That became a problem. Maybe we could, well, you know, twist it into our own way. Right. Yeah. They, if they were go, if they, if they had gone with that, it would have been more interesting, yes. I think. Um, but let's look at the first three kills. The first kill is the school bully uh, who gets decapitated by this big uh, ladder Lad- off of a truck, like Final Destination <laughs> style. I actually wrote that down in my notes. I actually wrote down very Final Destination. Very. I actually kind of enjoyed that. I actually kind of like those sequences in general, mm-hmm. and it was nice for them to like kind of add to it. I also like that they had the rules where you can't just make shit up that doesn't actually that could never happen, like a shark in the toilet. <laughs> you know, I actually like the little bit. That was a funny moment. Yeah, the bits I like from that. Ryuk where he's just like giggling, mm-hmm. just like the idea of people dying. Oh, yeah. just, again, Defoe, yeah. just when he yes. when he cackles like yeah. that, oh, yeah. it's just perfect. Especially like the final scene mm-hmm. where he's like, "You humans are so interesting." I'm like. Yes. Yes, he's so good. The first kill is Ryuk telling him to try it. Mm. The second kill is personally motivated because it's his mother's killer. Uh, His mother in this story was killed in a car accident or something or other. Yeah, and he he was uh, the orchestrated it or something like that. Yeah, I think it might have been that he orchestrated it because his dad, Mm -hmm. who is a police officer, I think it might have been like a warning, like hey back off okay i'm gonna kill your wife yeah i i that was okay that's that was, interesting that was how it, it wasn't outright said but that's what i took away from it okay and then like you said the third one and i actually want to go the, into this is uh the misa character that's been right. changed into maya mm-hmm. uh i actually kind of like this dynamic because it's more of a bonnie and clyde situation a little bit i get i can get that like yeah. that that third kill is more to impress her i yeah. think but then, like, the scene afterwards, all of a sudden he has this revelation where I should feel bad, but I don't. Yeah. Maybe I should use this to do some good. And it just happens that way. It doesn't really feel like it's organic in that realization It doesn't feel organic, but it's more of um, a thrill-seek because she's, like, getting off, put more names in there. And mm. he's doing it and going along and goes, maybe I could do some good with it. Like I said, it's a Bonnie and Clyde situation. It's mm-hmm. just this guy that comes across his power. And this woman is telling him, I kind of want to have some fun with this. Okay, yeah. And that's why yeah. I'm going with the Bonnie and Clyde. I actually kind of enjoyed this, uh, the, the whole setup and everything. And she, she ends up being an antagonist in this movie. Yeah, like ultimately. She's kind of the main antagonist because she's kind of the one that pushes him to become Kira. She's the one that betrays him. Mm-hmm. But it also pushes him over the edge into becoming fully on Kira. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's the way I see it. That's fa- that's fair. That's interesting. Misa for me, like, is a divisive character. Yes. Like in the anime, uh, she's not. She's not. She's not terrible. She has her moments where she does have. We do, where she does prove to be smarter than she is, than yes. she appears, basically, and that's an interesting dynamic. She's a little bit of a. She's a little bit annoying at the same time. Yes. She's almost like this, this obsessive otaku stereotype. Yes, and 
in this movie, they kind of replace her with a different stereotype, which is the uh, nihilistic Kristen Stewart look-alike yeah, kind pr- of thing. pretty much, pretty And much. I'm not dissing Kristen Stewart. I like Kristen but Stewart as an actress. You but... can see she was of that archetype. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I, from what, because um, I'm actually going to go into something, because I don't really God actually addressed the concerns over the film. Okay, and This yeah. is what he wrote. Explain that the film in his American take on the Death Note story, saying it's one of those things where the harder I tried to stay 100% true to the source material, the more it just kind of fell apart. You're a different country, you're in a different kind of environment, and you're trying to summarize a sprawling series into a two-hour-long film. For me, it became about what do these themes mean to modern-day America? How does this affect how we tell the story? Okay, what did you uh, conclude about how it relates to uh, modern America then? I think it concludes on how sometimes, how, how would I put this? When when you hear of people who have done bad, like or even people who have done small crimes like dr- drug addicts and everything, mm-hmm. we cheer when they die. Yeah. Not knowing the stuff that has actually gone on. And so everything that happens to Kira, mm-hmm. everyone cheers them for it. Okay, yeah. So the way I believe is it's kind of talking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, how we sometimes cheer people dying, even though it's morally wrong, mm-hmm. it's morally bankrupt, but we still do it. Every time someone's like dies in the, the death penalty, we cheer it on. Mm. And I think that's what it is. I think it's an allegory to the death penalty in itself. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yes. I feel, so- like, I feel like those themes kind of carry, do kind of carry on to some extent between uh, the anime and the, uh, the American adaptation in that sense. So it, I guess you're probably... It, it does, but you can't really do a lot of the stuff that the, that the Japanese talk about because they have their own rules, they have their own government, and it's kind of hard to translate. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, it still has the heart of it. But it takes all, all the characters out. It takes all the uh, things. But it, it still has that overall story of morality on, is this the right thing to do? Yeah. Where do you stand on the side? Are you for light or are you against him? Mm-hmm. And so um, let's let's get into L. L. This is this is interesting because I like this depiction of L. Probably out, along with Riek, I like this depiction of L well I, enough. I do. I really like it. I really like how... He, he kind of falls apart at the end. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because but his, <laughs> his character completely just takes a nosedive and becomes too impassioned and everything. Whereas mm-hmm. the L in the manga is always relaxed, even in death. Agreed, yeah. But if this was like a, a sequel, or if this mm-hmm. was like a whole different thing. If it was a different... A variation of L, yeah. basically, because there are different... Uh, if we're going with the sequel yeah. route, there are different characters also named M and N yeah. in the anime he and the manga. He could have been a part of the same orphanage mm-hmm. and that he is the new successor to L. Yeah. You know, the is it the Moncton? Yes. Yes. I the, think so. <laughs> basically, L is a part of this orphanage where they basically train these kids to be super smart, super good... Basically, it's an orphanage of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, exactly. And so, basically, they send him out into the world. So, you could easily say that this is another L, and that mm-hmm. he, and that he's on like a revenge mission because is you know his previous L mm-hmm. died, and he wants to find what is going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it would actually make more sense because this L knows more that, than what's going on. <laughs> he comes in and he jumps to conclusions quite quickly in he, some he cases. He immediately knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, this is happening. And so if it, if he already knew from L's writing mm-hmm. that this is what's going on, 
the jump and conclusions would actually make sense. Yeah. Because the... he's a, a very, um, he likes to know about, he, he wants to know, have like 100% ground in it before he jumps to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's just jumping. He, you know, he, he's more risky. Very risky. Yeah. Like the, his opening, his, his introduction in the nightclub yes. where everybody's been killed, including the nightclub dancers. Oh, come on. That's not nice. <laughs> it's not, it's not a fun, it's not a fun job, but like they didn't do anything to deserve that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, the thing, but when, El, when Elle's introduced, he basically says, I know, I now know where Kira is, yeah. uh, or as he pronounces it in the proper Japanese yeah. form, Kira, which yeah. is pretty cool. He's the only person who pronounces that name correctly. Exactly. But uh, the way that he actually introduces himself is basically by saying, I tipped Kira off. Yes. So now, I guess from there, we're supposed to assume now he, that's how he knows that Kira is situated in Seattle. Yeah, I think, I think by that time they had that website. Right, that's uh, Justice for Kira, and I think he was leaking stuff there uh-huh. to try and like pull him out to see if yeah he's not in oh, Japan. That's the other thing that I did find interesting about the adaptation, which was that the which was the use of the internet and I, how I, it was implemented. I really like that it modernized it enough to make it work as well. Because in this world, because we're working largely in a digital age, like we have to figure out, okay, can we trust these people who are saying this person deserves to die or this person deserves to die? Or can, can we take, do we take that at face value or do we question whether or not we can trust everybody? Because it could just be a random person that they have a beef with or something exactly. like that. Like maybe like they, they lost a fight to them or something like that. It could just be some, somebody's pride getting hurt or exactly, something like that. Exactly. And so, like I said, if this, I went into the... Not thinking of them, like I said, when I, when I went into this, I didn't think of the anime. I didn't think of the manga. Mm-hmm. I took this as a blank slate. Fair enough. Yeah. And I enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. I really did. And so, like I said, we get into the final bit. Yep. <laughs> okay. So it turns out that a lot of BAI agents were killed and Light, Light was blaming Ryuk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mm-hmm. nah, I didn't do it. <laughs> get away from me well i i would kind of say that he was kind of implying uh that he might have which it kind of ties into that role of him as the master manipulator like yeah. he's aware of what's actually going on because what's actually going on is mia's taking control yeah. in this situation i do like the way the answer why don't you just put ryuk's name in there and he's mm. pretty much and he's pretty much there's which is four, four letters to my name but one person's only figured out two which means it's like a a, de- um, a dead language or something. Uh, <laughs> but his name is written in the Death Note. And it's written in four letters that look exactly the same. Uh, so, But it's not his true name. Oh. Oh. So the, he is making... Th- so he's making this name up or something like that. Uh, that Ry- might be an interesting His idea. name is Ryuk. Yeah. But that could be written in like a foreign language, like oh. a dead language. And the person who wrote it in is writing it in phonetically. Okay. That, that's, that, that's what I took away from it. That, I had no idea that was a possibility. Yeah. He is uh, a death god, so yeah. I suppose they might have their own language to it. Or and something he probably like that. said something to, like, my name's Ryuk. And mm-hmm. then he wrote it down, trying to kill him. And he just laughed at him. Right. Saying, yeah. yeah. It looks like it, but it's not it. Okay. That's that's the way I took from it. So Okay, I can I can accept that as a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So we we then get him basically they go to prom. Yeah. Which is fun. <laughs> I'm like, 
where they play where they play uh 80s soft rock apparently oh i i i I was waving my hands the entire time i i was loving it um you're you're of a different generation of mine if if it was my prom night we'd be playing green day or something like that (laughs) i I was born in the 80s so Mm -hmm. i i appreciate it it reminds me of when i was a baby the one funny scene is uh, mia is dancing with an asian guy Uh uh-huh and then you know light comes in and steps aside and I've read so many, like, there's actually a meme where it's, like, whitewashing. They're even stepping in dancers during the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, actually, I actually had a good chuckle out of that. So, yeah, so we then get Mia saying that you're a pussy. Mm-hmm. I want, in, pre- in those words, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> she, she full-on lays it out. You're a pussy. You're a bit of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Ryuk's been saying to you, give it away. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you give it me? I want this power. Yeah. And, then, and then she pretty much tells him, I already wrote your name in the death note. Mm-hmm. I took a page out and I wrote your name in it. And yep. you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Because this entire time, Light has been trying to get uh, Elle's name. Mm-hmm. And he got Watari to go to the, the mountain. I would have assumed that Watari was a code name, actually. Which yes. is why it's confusing that writing his one name down in the death note. Like this... This Death Note does not operate by the Japanese yeah. rule book necessarily. Like, in the Japanese uh, story, like, it needs a first name and a last name in order to yeah. work. Which, but even if that's the case, is somebody really going to live with just one name like Watari or something w- like Watari's that? Watari's like Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> Watari's like Madonna. So, th- that, that, I'm just going to wave that away. I'm, my job here right now is you, you have a problem and I explain it away. That's, I, I, sh- I should get a job just uh, right scripts where i just hand weave away jeremy slater would be very happy with you yeah. if you could just help him uh I, justify a lot I, of this I'll stuff just send it, I, I do a press interview after every movie so uh why did this happen oh uh ghosts <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, it's one of my favorite things because people are like i love movies as evidenced by me doing a podcast yeah and one of my favorite things to do is when people ask me about a plot hole i'll just make up a reason that makes sense off the off the bat well, you're doing a pretty good job. Like, like, like it makes it make it makes sense when you say it that way. Like, um, have you ever seen Halloween H? Uh, not Halloween H two O. Halloween Resurrection. No, I've only watched two of the uh, Halloween movies. The first one and the most recent one. Oh, okay, so... that's that good choice. That's yeah. good choice. But anyway, uh, people were complaining that the house was too big, mm-hmm. and so what I said was, in the twenty years between that, they've turned the house into like a haunted attraction and with the money they made they added uh extensions to everything to kind of boost prices because you can get people walking around a bit more mm-hmm. and then unfortunately it went bankrupt and that's why the house is now derelict <laughs> you know because i i just love that kind of i love i love just explaining away stuff and people are like did that really happen i'm like oh no i just made that up just now <laughs> now anyway we're, we we've moved we should move on with the actual we plot should, we so should. because because she's written his name down in the death note yes uh, he does something that really surprised me and confused me while I was watching it, which is that he goes to that website and starts writing down names. Yes. Like, now's not the time to be uh, doing this right now, dude. And he starts running uh, to meet her at the Ferris wheel yeah. on the dock. And there are so many rules that have been established, and he starts breaking rules for random reasons. So, so. what I took away from this is was, this was his moment where he finally became full-on Kira. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. was him finally... Because in the anime, Kira is full-on narcissistic. 
He full on believes what he's doing is good. He's all about self-preservation and he'll kill anyone to stop them from revealing it himself. Yeah. And from this, one of the closest persons uh, to him has betrayed him. Yeah. So now, the, basically it's broken loose the, the chains. Mm-hmm. And now he's finally let loose. So what he did was he actually orchestrated a death. Mm-hmm. He orchestrated a way so that he's not Im- implicated. You know, all on this. Because he is a smart guy. He is capable of thinking on the fly. So I think he had like a mental block mm-hmm. from this self-preservation. And what Misa, Mia, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what Mia did to him was just the final breaking point for mm-hmm. him to become full-on calculated. And, and like I said, if they do do a sequel, I would like to see this version of Kira now alive. Okay, yeah. You know... Now that's an interesting idea. I, yeah. I think that that I think that the way that you're describing that makes sense. But it's st- it still breaks one significant rule and one thing that I'm very confused about, which is that the way that he basically orchestrates how he saves his own life yes. is that she grabs the death note, specifically grabbing the page uh, that has his name on it, which she drops. And he somehow manages to ensure that that page lands in a fire and it's burned up while they both fall to the ground, saving his life but killing her. Yeah. That's basically manipulating space and time with the Death Note. Yeah. Like, the Death Note is supposed to be for death, basically. Yes. It's not supposed to... Uh, the way I saw that, I think he wrote down everything um, as you see it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he planned on her choice. Okay. I think he just wrote it as is. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but I think he was playing a game to her because he didn't want to seem cold. He yeah. wanted that last moment of being light. Yeah. And now he's diminished and now we get the the dark light. Yeah. Espe- especially the way he looks at his dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because... That kind of distance uh, between the two of them, yes. basically. It's now officially basically just him thinking like this manipulative uh, individual, basically. Yes. And so that, that is what is now that is now what has happened. Mm-hmm. That light, the light that we see in this movie is dead, and now Kira's born. That this is an origin movie for Kira. Rather, okay. than, rather than the full story, it's a beginning. Now that, yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about before, I think that it makes sense that they would try to do, like, an origin story. Because if you're trying to adapt the sequence of the anime, yeah. there are it's a 37-part anime. And it's, you got two hours. It's Yeah, it's basically 100 minute, yeah. a 100-minute movie. Yeah. So you need to condense that and make it interesting enough for new audiences at the yeah. same time. I just, I just question... A lot of the new rules and how they yes. uh, they're not really well established for yeah. how the Death Note works. Yeah, uh, a I, lot I of do the time. agree that the whole paper thing was an ass pull. Yes, but I'm willing to overlook it, but just because of where the story does end up going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, because he's killed the woman he loves, his dad now knows him, and I do appreciate the final seaweed of L because mm-hmm. we see that Light has managed to make that decision to mm-hmm. break his mor- morality. Yeah, L doesn't. Yeah. So we've still got two sides. We've got L who kind of loses loses himself a bit. A little but bit, But when yeah. he gets the chance to finally do what he needs to do, mm-hmm. he goes against it. Yeah. So there's still that morality there. So you have morality versus immorality. Yeah, yeah. And that is what will lead up to the second movie. And like like we said, there will be a sequel. 
Mm-hmm. It's currently being written by another writer, though. That's what I'm worried about. Well, which writer? I want to know which His writer. His name now. is Greg Russo. I actually looked him up, and not the—he's not a Russo brother. I no, know no. that much. <laughs> Honestly, if it was a Russo brother, I'd be much more interested oh, because yes. this script was written by the two guys who wrote Tarsum Singh's Immortals and yeah. one of the guys who wrote the Fantastic Four reboot. Oh, I feel like yeah. those two uh, materials do not sit well with me when you're when you're trying to adapt a popular exactly. series like this. So, and again, like you have, we have differing opinions on how much that works and how much it could work in the future. Yeah, but. I'm just looking at Greg Russo right now, and he's a right. He doesn't have any like past writing credits. Oh dear. But <laughs> but the the stuff that he does have: Mortal Kombat, un, Untitled Resident Evil reboot, and Death Note Two. So they're all in production. They're all in production. Well, I wish him luck. (laughs) Maybe it'll be good because maybe it's like, you know, a bit of fresh blood kind of giving new ideas. Maybe. New ideas to old. I'm not getting my hopes high personally, but I will, I will, I will, I will will watch them before I judge. Yes. Although I'm not anxious to watch a second Death Note after this one. Yes, Yes. I feel like there's so much that I, like Death Note, the anime is not one of my personal favorite TV shows, but it's definitely... If, if you look at a list of the highest rated or most popular animes, Death Note is in the top five. Yes. And that's why so many people were angry with this movie, that it was condensing like this... Yeah. For me, it's like a four-and-a-half-star anime uh, into what I feel is a two-and-a-half-star movie. Yeah. Like, I think that if you look at the movie on its own, it's okay. Yes. But if you look at it compared to the anime or oh. the manga, there is no nothing, yeah. nothing that really holds up very well. Yes, I, I have agreement with that. But in my opinion, I enjoy it for its merits. Fair enough. And, and it's not an it's not an incompetent movie. It's, no, it's uh, very well done. It's mm-hmm. great characterization. Uh, that's not like the manga, but it, <laughs> I, I do like the development. Like like I said, the the stuff I've come out with it, the the stuff I've told you this is where i come from Mm -hmm. and i think this is pretty well done well i think that the way that you are discussing it i think that you might be a better uh choice to write the sequel at this point because you clearly have um some vision for it and i think that i'm not i don't know if you've ever tried writing anything before i'm gonna start now (laughs) (laughs) anyway so uh, we'll be right back and we'll have a quick chat and then we'll go from there so see you later guys and we are back, and we still have Sky, and he does a regular podcast or semi-regular podcast. Semi-regular, because I don't. I I'm a, I'm a college student, yes. So I have to find time for other things as well. Yes. Whereas me, I just work, and then I do podcasts, and that's that's my life. Work, mm-hmm. work hard, podcast hard, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's called adaptational, mm-hmm. and you often take a. A movie that is an adaption of a book, video game, or movie, and then you basically compare them. Is that correct? Vice versa. But vice versa. My, the point of adaptational is that I explore subjects that have yet to be made into movies, okay. and I speculate what could happen if they were adapted. So the one uh, example when uh, the the one that you brought up when uh, we were talking about this in early stages, I yes. had just released an episode on One Punch Man, which is my actual favorite yeah, anime oh, of all time. That, uh, well, at least at the moment, anyway. <laughs> that would be a nightmare to adapt into a live action film. Like, 
the Japanese could probably do it because they they are often good at they're very mediocre, but mm-hmm. they often get the style right, like the Death Note series. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have they done? Uh, Format or G- Alchemist. Yeah. They've done that where they're kind of middle of the road, but they work because they look like it. Mm-hmm. But then when oftentimes when it's in a western adaption it never works that's exactly the thing like well, i've i've seen i've seen good and bad adaptation well not really good i've seen bad adaptations from both japanese companies and american companies though like attack on titan is not really it's yeah. incredibly shallow and not very exciting and uh, then you have, of course, Ghost in the Shell, which yeah. we will not talk about ever again. I spoke about it last episode. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, had, I had opinions on that. Not, not bad ones, but I, I had certain... But um, I'm actually thinking with One Punch Man that it could be westernized. A little bit, because that's, my, that's the big thing that I mentioned in the episode, which was that when I saw this as... I see it as a parody of the... So, the ultra the ultra strong superhero which is a staple of both japanese and american culture because you have superman on one end and you have goku goku on the other yes so you can you can find some synergy between the two of them you can find the appeal in parodying the superhero genre in that sense like this expanded universe that uh one punch man explores is very much like the mcu there's there's a bunch of heroes that are all colliding with each other at different times basically yeah so when you mentioned uh, one punch man my gears started turning my mm-hmm. creative gears and what would be great like i'm just gonna like pitch this to you uh one punch man mm-hmm. it's basically superman but he's deadpool yeah that's kind of close that's fairly close like he's not as self-aware as deadpool yeah. is he's not as He's he is pretty sarcastic. Yes. The main idea of One Punch Man is that he's just an ordinary dude who has superhero yeah. powers, basically. But like, so, if I was pitching this to an exec, that's how I would. The characterization would yeah. be a bit different, but it is very like that. It's very self-aware about the superheroes as a genre. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he's not a guy that just continually reheals. He's a guy that is bored and is tired <laughs> of all the tropes. And we'll punch Blah, some... blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you could do that. That makes sense, so yeah. So that, that, that is how you would do it in Western, and it would work. Yeah. I've covered a lot of different subjects where yes. I've had mixed opinions about it. The most recent one I've done was uh, Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist, which yes. is the self-help book slash um, novella, which I'm not a big fan of the novella myself. Yeah. It's not my kind of self-help. I go for other things to find my yeah, therapy. I, I've never heard of it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very popular book. It's very yeah. short. Uh, okay. But you need to be willing to accept that it's it's basically there as a bit of pseudoscience. Oh, it's okay. a bit of metaphysics, basically. It's supposed to help you find your personal legend, discover your destiny and stuff like that, which is not something that I find really appealing in the modern era because the the world around us is in chaos. Like we don't, we're trying to find some kind of catharsis for how we're feeling. We're not really interested in finding what we think we want to do. And in my case, I found what I wanted to do. I'm going to talk about that later. Yes. But it's just one of those things where it's not necessary at the moment. And I feel like it needs to be, really abstract if it's going to be a good adaptation or an appealing adaptation yes. it needs to be outside the box yes and like, yeah like um 
when it comes to like anime and manga, I think the ones that would do best as an adaption are the stuff that are already Western. Mm-hmm. So you got stuff like um, Attack on Titan, which is actually very Western. It's medieval, right? Like, like there are uh, Euro Euro European kind yes. of influences. It's in the very disc- Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that could easily be adapted into a Western. You know, think of like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but with giant monsters. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that that's because what you know that's often when you have to adapt, you kind of have to take stuff that's already created and then blend it in. For when you like adapting stuff, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. otherwise it doesn't work. Fair enough, yeah. Because you need to take something that's already been done and add it there so mm-hmm. that you can adapt it. Because you can't fully adapt it as is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What are some uh, adaptations? What are some uh, stories that you're a fan of that you would like to see adapted? Just yourself. Oh, story-wise, oh god, I think everything that I've done is adapted. But the one thing I would like to see adapted in an American way would be devil may cry okay devil nice. may cry i think and honestly i think paul ws anderson picked the wrong series from capcom <laughs> i think that he should have done um he should have done resident uh devil may cry instead of resident evil okay because the way he phones stuff the way it's crazy and stuff like that uh well, there, he had he had previously done the Mortal Kombat movie, the first Mortal yes. Kombat movie, and, and then, those those images are just wild and bonkers, just that, going everywhere. That's actually so, one of the better adaptions too, because it's very it's closer. Yeah. Yes, it's enjoyable. It, I like I enjoy that movie because so. uh, funny enough, Mortal Kombat is an adaptation of an adaptation. <laughs> really? Because it started off as an a video game version of Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it was originally Bloodsport, the video game. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Cage is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, uh, I think it's Tyson, uh, Frank Dukes. Okay. And then they didn't get the license. So it says, okay, why don't we vaguely uh, adapt Enter the Dragon? Mm. But with mystical elements. And then Paul W.S. Anderson adapted it onto into the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like an adaption of adaption of adaption. <laughs> so I do kind of find that funny. There's a joke in there, something related to Christopher <laughs> Nolan. I'm sure it's uh, come to me eventually. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm just going to add that uh, blah from Inter- Inception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, but another one that unfortunately kind of died was Bioshock. Oh, I covered that. I covered Bioshock in one of my other episodes. And yeah, that one really sucks to some extent because looking at the product that we almost got, yes. uh, it was going to be directed by Gore Verbinski yeah. and it was going to be written by John Logan, who also wrote Sweeney Todd, The Aviator, and Hugo. Oh. So he's an awesome yeah. uh, writer. He's an awesome screenwriter. And Gore Verbinski is a good... Um, he's good at adapting stuff. He's mixed horror genres really well with The Ring and the yeah. first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Even he, the other Pirates of the Caribbean movies are fun, but yeah. not great, basically. Yeah. But like the way that... You can see artwork online for the Bioshock movie yeah. that he was going to make, and it looks amazing, but the studio got cold feet basically and they wanted it to be pg-13 they wanted to cut the budget yeah. so it was like uh it's not gonna work this way yeah. so hopefully, I, hopefully one day they finally get to it but i feel like they're closer now than they uh, i feel like there are more opportunities to make a bioshock movie yeah. now like compared to back then because back then the r-rated movie was still kind of had a stigma attached to yes. it nowadays we have deadpool and logan and yeah. all of these really 
it's serious, really, very violent, but also very emotionally profound kind of stories the, that are being told. But the problem is they're still fighting back against it, like Venom. They uh, made that PG-13 yeah. when it should have been Radar. Yeah. He bites heads off. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So um, you have a new project going on. I would like you to announce it now. Mm-hmm. So if you, you have the table, I'm just going to uh, make sure the levels are okay. By the time that this episode is released, uh, I will have been working on an audio drama, which is called Echo. This is part of an independent project that I'm doing for my Red River College studies. It's a fantasy story uh, set in the medieval period about a blind man trapped in a cave who needs to escape with the help of a rock monster. Oh, wow. This is something that has been... These are... it explores themes that I have really been in, been a huge admirer of and I've explored in previous stories. Like, I'm a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro. Oh, and I, I love him. And I love uh, classic cinema from everything from Lawrence of Arabia and The Seventh Seal. I love the, exploring the concept of monsters and solitude and the kind of... That kind of... Uh, anxiety and the fear of not being in a place that you don't understand and that's a lot of the things that are that go into this series are based on those ideas and so what the intention is that i will be releasing these episodes starting on january 18th the friday of the third friday of january next year yes this will be available the second uh, week of january Excellent. so this will be a good precursor leading up to it so uh, please tell the uh, name of the project and where you can locate this right you can find uh echo we, you can find echo podcast on twitter and instagram and on facebook oops yep no worries uh on twitter instagram and facebook all at at echo podcast 2019 okay and i i will uh, find the link and i will add it to the description so if you want to check this out in uh, a week's time it will be on on the bio of this episode mm-hmm. and so yeah thank you sky very much it was a great chat to you hopefully when we find an adaption we can agree on we can finally uh come back and maybe i can yell at you on why this is terrible oh no Uh oh get ready for red get ready for the widow's review there we go just uh just to give uh just to make sure everybody knows you can find me myself on twitter and instagram at da sky thor and if you want to join uh the discussion about adaptational i have a pot i have an i have a facebook group adaptational fans and friends just send me a direct message on uh facebook sky thorleafson on facebook and i will add you to the discussion fantastic thank you very much for coming for sky it was it was a great it was great chatting it was great having someone with an opinion on stuff this is loads of fun it was loads of fun you are more than welcome back thank you very much and you have a great one okay man thank you